Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are The Gore Girls and The Wizard of Gore. For those who want a little more gore. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Okay, now we're all calmed down. Stop fighting, yelling about spilling biscuit, that sort of thing. But I did it let's all just do our lucky. best to leave. I was going to say, let's just leave all Fred Durst aside for everything. I don't know. He made a movie. We're going to have to talk about it at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've decided not to do that. Come on. Fred Durst and John Travolta together at last? Yeah, I'm not a huge John Travolta fan either. Are you guys forgetting that I watched this movie and told you all about it? I know. No, I remember you did. I'm just saying I'm not watching it. So we put it on the show and then Noah has to watch it. Well, now I kind of want to do that, yeah. I would be suspiciously ill that week. I refuse... I refuse to to partake in anything Fred Durst has to do with uh, to a ridiculous tangential degree. Like, if it's a movie and it has more than one Lip Biscuit song on the soundtrack, I would rather not watch that movie. (laughs) Jeez. I I fucking, I hate him so much. (laughs) What'd Fred Durst ever do to you? He's just, he's just such a fucking douche he is the douchiest douche of all douches there are members of the cast of jersey shore that are less douchey than he is wow let's all calm down now that's that's pretty harsh i'm just saying if if i had to choose between like sitting in a room and listening to fred Durst talk for 10 minutes or spending an hour in a room with the entire cast of Jersey Shore, I would take the hour with the cast of Jersey Shore. I'm trying to understand the concept of being in a room with Fred Durst speaking for 10 minutes. Ugh. Like, does he do this public speaking thing often that you Awful. know about? Or? I don't know. Just, it doesn't matter. Just a one on one conversation. It could be inane. It could, it could be him reading. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna, it could be anything. It could just be him reading like a grocery list, and I think somehow he would still manage to douche that shit up. <laughs> well, would it be his grocery list? Because, you know, maybe he buys douchey products, but. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. He's probably like, oh, I need two pairs of Under Armour tees and 50 red ball caps that I can wear backwards. <laughs> First of all, neither of those things are groceries. Second of all, I don't think you get pairs of t-shirts. That's not how that works. You did everything wrong there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how shopping works. You don't know how shopping works? 
<laughs> you don't know whether hats qualify as groceries or not? I think I used to. I think I used to. I think the quarantine's starting to get to me. <laughs> well, do you not still have to buy groceries during it? Mm, am I supposed to be? Well, if you want to not die at some point, you're going to I was just supposed to be recycling my bodily fluids to keep myself alive. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is the week that my uh, cabin fever is starting to set in a little bit. Perfectly fine up till now, but I'm getting itching that I need to I need to go out. I need to get out of the house and do something. Damn. It's, it's Damn. weird. I, I have a pretty good cap on my depression 99.99% of the time mm. in uh, this shit. It's, it's getting to be too much. I can't. <laughs> like, there's so much pressure. You can, like, feel it. I, I stabbed on a conference call for work the other day, so I'm thinking that maybe I'm getting the Kevin Fever thing, too. So. <laughs> Normally, I'm able to hold off on that and then just complain to my coworkers after we're off the official call. But... Say, so, yeah, I saw that you're uh, working from home now. Yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah, I'm working from home, but I'm still not supposed to do my job. So, <laughs> anyways, so they found something else for you to do? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit complicated. All right. It's, they they don't want they don't want the reports to show that I'm home and not working, and they also don't want my work being done because of the nature of it so they're like can you work at home and i'm like sure what should i be doing and they're like working from home and i'm like but you told me not to do most of the parts of my work and they're like yeah can you work from home and i'm like i don't know nah. yeah then snapping <laughs> i'm assuming just, i prefer not to discuss work on the podcast in case yeah, i can talk about something less less hostile doug was your weather crazy today you mean like was it summer spring and winter all in the same day yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. okay so so it's not just here that's good to know it, <laughs> it seems to be very widespread according to the social medias i uh, yeah i i was out yesterday doing like lawn work in a t-shirt and i got up this morning to walk outside and I didn't have my coat and I opened the front door and there's like it's like snowing like seriously snowing and sticking I was like I don't know what's going on right now I went for like a two hour walk today and like I stepped outside and I'm like okay it's a bit breezy I'll put on my spring jacket I got about 10 minutes away from the house and I was freezing like I almost came home but I'm like no I'm already out here and I was listening to a podcast I wanted to hear the end of it by an hour into my walk, I had my jacket unzipped, and I was walking with it. And I was debating whether to take it off and carry it. <laughs> and when I got home, it's when I got home, it started snowing enough that like me and my kid had a little mini snowball fight in the backyard. After two hours, I was gone. I went through all those different weather patterns. Like, how can this be? You're, you're like looking up at the sky, and you're like, it's winter over there, and it's summer over there, and I can see both of them from like standing still. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, it was it was weird. I got to work, sit down and start doing work. It gets about to my lunch hour and I was like, yeah, I better see what the weather's like. And I get on the thing and it's like it's 30 degrees outside. And I was like, fuck, that wet ass snow is going to turn into ice and this is going to be miserable. And I put on my coat and I walk outside. And it's like 45 degrees and there is no sign that it ever snowed this morning. It's weird. 
yeah, once again, I was I was so confused. I was like, no, I just looked at it. The weather said it's 30 degrees, but it is clearly not 30 degrees. So you, you checked out your desk and then you went downstairs to the front door. It has enough time to change 15 degrees. <laughs> what helps is if you get an Alexa and then you get the uh, Samuel Jackson uh, voice. Say, hey, Alexa, ask Sam to tell me the weather. And then you hear, no, I will not tell you the motherfucking weather. And then, <laughs> then he tells you the weather. It's awesome. It's, awesome. it's, it's pretty good. I, I was a little disappointed. I was hoping, like, Samuel Jackson would replace Alexa completely. But you have to ask Alexa to ask Sam stuff. That's kind of annoying. Yeah, again, I won't have one of those things in my house because I'm a yeah. three-year-old. And I don't need him just yelling shit out and making toddler songs play throughout the house whenever he wants <laughs> alright I don't know how the hell we're going to transition from this into today's uh, topic <laughs> you ever uh, you ever want to cut a bitch up <laughs> I was I was getting ready to say here's here's a good topic for this week uh, uh, Lucio Fulci kind of has a reputation for being the most misogynistic <laughs> lady murderer of movies of all time I think old uh, Herschel gives him a run for his money. <laughs> oh, oh, clearly. I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm not that familiar with uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's work. Uh, these would be the only two. The ones we're going to talk about today are these the are, only two I've seen. Here's here's the thing. Uh, pretty much the gist of what these movies were. That's all of his movies. They're, yeah, that's the impression I get is that yeah. this is just going to be the same thing. Um over and over again and it's yeah and misogynistic is a fair word to describe these movies yeah. blood, blood feast is this plus cannibals mm-hmm. that's about right yeah yeah it's the only other yeah, thing it's, i've ever I, seen i don't i feel like you know i love doing this show and stuff but i think it has one drawback and that is i rewatch these exploitation movies that i really really love and then I kind of put on my credit glasses and look at them and then I'm like oh no there's all sorts of bad stuff <laughs> <laughs> I thought these were just fun and bloody movies no god damn it they're sexist and awful <laughs> damn it <laughs> both of these movies I don't even know if we need to discuss them individually because they're so much the same movie but both of them involve like attacking the women's lib movement too like fucking women's lib people. Like, why are you so mad at them? Probably because you're planning on having them protest this movie. <laughs> well, I'm no. trying to decide on which which one to start with. Well, pick one, Noah, and why don't you tell us about it? Uh, so, Wizard of Gore is a movie. This one has a magician. A magician. In it, at least. Yeah, it's a magician who does magic tricks where he brutally, uh, uh, brutally, horribly, and and gorily, as the title implies, um, murders women on stage in front of a crowd full of cheering people, uh, and then uses magic to put them back together. But the magic only holds them together for a short period of time. And then perhaps, perhaps he has some kind of master plan, or perhaps he doesn't. Perhaps it's all a dream, or maybe the lady's the evil one, and she's doing magic. What the fuck? What the fuck happened? 
it's it's basically wash rinse repeat it's it's wizard makes speech kills lady on stage uh they all go home the person who was killed dies in in quote fingers real life and then the detective talks for a little while and the lady is really super excited to have the guy that's associated with several murders on her talk show. Yeah, that's pretty close. I mean, that's yeah. pretty like uh, old, old Herschel uh, is kind of notorious for his movies being uh, low on plot, high on violence, <laughs> which is yeah. great. Yeah. This movie is basically extent. just set piece after set piece after set piece. There's no real like explanation for, why he's doing it or why you should care. So did you guys, did you guys watch these on, on Criterion or did you, do you, you own them? Did you watch it on YouTube? Uh, Wizard of Gore I had on, uh, the, uh, something weird video DVD. So I got to watch it in glorious four, three, just to add to the experience. <laughs> well, I actually have a Blu-ray that has Wizard of Gore and Gore Gore Girls on it. Because I'm yeah. like, you know what? This is only like 10 bucks, and I'm not really that fluent in Horschel Gordon-Lewis. I'll pick it up. And so thus I put it on the list whenever I put it on the list. Yeah, I mean, these are two, these are two uh, heavy hitters. And in in I mean, Blood Feast is obviously the big one. Yeah. And then what's, what are the other ones? Gruesome, Twosome, maybe a couple other ones. They're all... <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're, they're the same fucking movie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it all we want. Like Herschel, like the the dude knew what he was doing. He made fucking cheap movies that had a great draw to him because of the level of gore and violence, especially for the time. Like you put this, you line it up against other movies being made at the same time, and they're psychotically more gory than anything else. Come. Coming out of America, I should say. Maybe the, yeah. some of the foreign ones were gorier, but... Like, I have to assume that in in their day, these movies were, you know, run in low-budget theaters at midnight or whatever mm-hmm. to crowds of, like, drunk drunken college kids that cheered at the gore and didn't give yeah. a shit about what was going on in between the gore because if they cared, they would have tried to put something in between, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, from what I read, uh, I think Wizard of Gore was the only movie he actually submitted to the MPAA. And when they give him an X rating, he's just like, ah, uh, I'll just never do that again. Gore Gore Girls. Gore Girls. <laughs> oh, was a Gore was Girls? Mm-hmm. It, was it was also it was, it was it was also his last movie before he took his big hiatus where he like just stopped making movie for several decades for <laughs> for no apparent reason. Like he just was like, "Nah, fuck it." <laughs> Well, I mean, at some point he had to know that the appeal of this type of thing was going to fade, right? That you can only do this for so long. I suppose. I mean, it might it might also just be he made enough money that he didn't fin- he didn't care anymore. It's true. I wonder. So that would have been like seventy three when he stopped making movies. Yeah, he stopped making them, and then his next movie was Blood Feast Two, that was made two thousand and two. Yeah. So it was a big. He took a big break. Like when did he? I, I probably should have done research instead of just asking you guys. But like, when would he have started making movies? It's like nineteen sixty something, mid sixties. Okay. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not super familiar with his early stuff. I think he kind of and then 
was well, done. There's like trailers so. on the Blu-ray that I have. It's like a little trailer reel. And uh looks like he did a lot of those like nudie cutie movies. Like, hey, here's a uh here's a nudist colony and we're gonna say it's educational. Yeah. Film people just hanging out. It looks like sixty one was his first movie. And yeah, he okay. went to, went till yes. seventy two and then took a thirty year break. So basic basically he just made movies for ten years and then and then he was done. <laughs> Something about the consistency of that so like Criterion basically has Criterioned almost every one of his films, which is odd <laughs> to say the least. I don't, I don't understand Criterion's selection process. No, I mean I think people have a tendency to talk about Criterion like as if they only select the you know best most highbrow films, but they do lots of shit that is done just clearly. I don't, I don't know how they decide, but it's not as if all the movies they do are great. It's not as, as if most of them are highbrow art films. They do lots of stuff up on there. They, they do they do lots of stuff, but they do they they tend to do stuff that has a big big impact. If that makes sense, and which I guess Herschel's movies did have a big impact because they're kind of the uh, blueprint for eighties movies. In a, in a weird way. Well, yes. Um, I think these movies that we're talking about today, especially um, the next one, actually, I think it, it's very much a precursor to the slasher. So, and I think they didn't quite get yet that you have to have something interesting happen between the kills. You know, the, the best slashers are the ones where you give a little bit of a shit when the people die. Even if you're happy to see them die, you still are having some emotion attached to them. Um, and these are just all, all about the kill and not about the person being killed. Um, but obviously people learn from this going forward and they, they okay, audiences like it when you just have a bunch of gory kills in your movie spaced out like this. So we can work with that and build it up into the, the slasher subgenre that eventually kind of perfected the idea. Did you guys have a favorite kill in Wizard of Gore? No. I mean... Honestly, it was probably the, the chainsaw for me. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, I feel like... I feel like a lot of the the kills and stuff, and usually in movies that we like, like, they're, like the setup is also part of it. And in this, like, the setup is the same for everything. Just some lady walks yeah. up... He says, oh, I mean, gonna... he literally makes the same speech four times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm going to destroy this woman. And then he does it. And then, oh, she's fine. And then it's like, oh, no, she she's falling apart. So I don't know. Do you strike this spike into this pink of wood to show that it is made of metal? <laughs> <laughs> that's another I, that's another hallmark of uh, of Herschel movies. The. Uh, very much stage acting style delivery. He does these. Uh, yeah, it's even worse than the next. It's one. it's wrong to call it this. Well, I was going to say it's wrong to call it this, but at the same time, it's right. They're Shakespearean. You know what I mean? They do the uh, mm -hmm. the loud bravado esque deliveries, the the big arm gestures and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he t he tends to do that in all of his movies. I and. 
part of the problem is is that he wasn't hiring film actors because he, like Roger Corman, made cheap ass fucking movies is what he did. <laughs> so he was hiring fucking nobodies off street theaters to Wait, you're telling me that the people in these movies weren't professional actors who are regularly working? Right. I'm shocked, right. I'm shocked to hear this quite frankly. <laughs> Uh, I, I was going to say, so I was asking you guys about how you watched it because so I watched Gore Gore Girls on on Criterion. I went ahead and uh, got the 14 day free trial just because there's a bunch of Japanese movies on there I wanted to watch anyway. And but I watched Wizard of Gore on YouTube from a VHS rep. Nice. And I'm trying to decide which experience is better <laughs> because the Criterion cleaned up. Blu-ray, it's it looks right. You know what I mean. I'm I'm sure, the, I'm sure it looks better than it did whenever it was showing in theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, uh, I think the garbage, I think the garbage version adds to it. I, I would think that that would add to the enjoyment of it. Yeah, um, partially because it would cover up some of the lesser effects as well. Because there's a lot of part of the of what Herschel Gordon Lewis seems to enjoy doing. Is close-ups on fake heads while people poke out the eyes and squish them, go play in the guts and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And definitely with Gorgor, because I also watched it through Criterion, and it's like, yeah, that's um, it doesn't look good. Like the effects aren't even good by 1970 standards, <laughs> but that's fine because they're low budget or whatever. But I feel like when you clean them up and you're, you know projecting them on i've got like a 60 inch tv i'm watching them on it's like it's real obvious when they switch out the actress for the mannequin head and just you know not even you can't even pretend that you don't notice i'll tell you what those those fake heads are very fake but i'll tell you what he he does pretty those fake eyes are all pretty fucking convincing it's like he found one little gag like a really convincing fake eye let me put it as fake ass head it's weird. It's the like the blood and the guts and like anything that's squishy is pretty good, but the actual like bodies and heads you can't make look real. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they so, uh, got stuff from the butcher and just uh, you know threw a okay. bunch of guts and then fake that, blood all over. That seems of it. right. And I think the eyes are like cow eyes or yeah, like, uh, sheep eyes. I or can see like that. that. Yeah. 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 See, that's probably right. Well, that's good because. You, know, you want to be able to use the whole animal if you're going to slaughter it. So <laughs> right. since we don't eat the eyes, use them as film props. Yeah. So, so at the at the end of this movie, what the what the fuck happened? I don't know. I was I hoping both of you could tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like because like so he did a magic trick or somehow he was her boyfriend the whole time or or part of the time. But then she was doing a magic trick on him, but then it wasn't real. And we, we should, were back at the first scene of the movie where he's getting ready to chop his own head off. Well, we should mention that. Uh, so she's a, like a news reporter, like on TV, wants him to come on her show. And then when he does, he seems to hypnotize everybody that's watching. And then he's going to make them all walk into a fire. But then her boyfriend runs in like shoulder checks him into the fire. And then everybody wakes up. But then, yeah, cut to him pulling his face off, like, you know, however long later when they're sitting down on the floor to have dinner in front of the fireplace. And it's actually the magician. But then, yeah, she says yeah, she's like she's the, evil. 
And then she's been playing him the whole time. But then, yeah, he wakes up on stage in the very first scene. Yeah. I do. I do like the fact that. So in that scene, right before he does the reveal that he's the boyfriend somehow, uh, they basically through all of the plot holes that are still hanging and and they just go none of this makes any sense to admit it <laughs> right right and then they just keep going which is <laughs> i i don't know in some ways i think that will ending because they're like yeah no this is just dumb shit we're just doing whatever the fuck we want because they're like why was he taking the bodies what was he doing with those that doesn't make any sense <laughs> and they're like yeah yeah moving on he was taking them to like some mausoleum and like throwing him in well I think they just reused the same footage of him carrying a body over like multiple times but I, I don't know what was going on there or why any of that happened yeah. nothing in this yeah. movie really actually made sense now that you think about it no like I don't need, the boyfriend was always at work too and I don't know what his job was and they showed him at work a lot if you're going to show somebody at work that much you should be able to figure out what they're doing at their job. Was, I thought he was he, a he newspaper reporter. reporter. Yeah. Is he? Is that what he did? Yeah, I thought he was, a, was sport, a, a sports guy for the I newspaper. Okay. Yeah, because I think at the beginning when they're walking, like after the first magic trick, he's talking about how he's a sports reporter or something. And then when they stumble upon the restaurant where um, the first girl decomposed in front of everybody, uh, he uh, he was just like, oh, press, press, we're coming through, because he was just going to use the fact that he was a reporter to uh, figure out what was going on. Okay. That's what I took away from that, anyway. Yeah, he did. At, at one point, she did mention that she goes to a lot of sporting events with him. Yeah. He's complaining about having to keep right. magic shows with her, so. I, I was going to say, I'll tell you guys, well, but I this movie, you could remake and, uh, you know, just kind of put in a plot of some kind. They <laughs> did. What, they that. did. And they did with Kristen Crispin Glover. Yep. Really? Which I I, I, I now want to see because I think I wasn't uh, skipping to the end. I wasn't a huge fan of this, but uh, I think it could like a remake would be really good for it. Yeah. I, I just right. want to see what Crispin Glover does with that role. That's mm-hmm. what I want to know from this. So well, I've I was never just, seen the remake. I was going to say, too, you take so you take the same aesthetic of the over top gore, but you get some is uh, better at the technical bits of that, you know, a Tom Savini esque person. Mm-hmm. And then you could have something crazy like some chick sitting in a restaurant and all of a sudden her like guts just fucking fly out of her <laughs> body like she just got chainsawed, which would be fucking awesome. <laughs> So I'm thinking we're going to have to watch this movie because of the cast. Uh, so Crispin Glover plays Montag the Magnificent, of course. Playing the geek is Jeffrey Combs. And playing Dr. Chong is is Brad Dourif. Say, so, say no more. Say I'm Holy sold. Shit. What the fuck? How did I not see that? Right? Yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to find a way to watch that one. That sounds like some straight up nerd porn. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm totally. Well, I didn't really enjoy the original one all that much. I am definitely on board for a remake, especially with Crispin Glover playing Montag the Magnificent. Yeah. Um, 
What yeah, there, we're going to have to put together a show that involves that. <laughs> Everybody looking at us right now. <laughs> well, well, I was, That's what I was, I'm doing, yeah. What, actually, what I was looking up is, are there any more uh, or any more of his movies remade? Uh, that I don't we know. Probably should, probably should have saved that for, like, you know, <laughs> off mic, but whatever. Yeah, I don't show it. Jesus Christ. Looking, looking Apparently just... there's a Herschel Gordon Lewis box set that's 17 Blu-rays. Yeah. Jesus. That's all of them, isn't it? So, yeah, I'm looking on Just Watch, yeah, and I can't even looking. find the remake. So. I can't either. Mother. But I'm also using the app, and with the app you have to go through and tell it which services to look up. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating. Apparently there was a remake of Blood Feast that was uh, released VOD. Are we going to edit this out, Brian? Because if we're not going to edit this out, then we should probably move on. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on! (laughs) To the far more interesting, due to the strippers, movie. (laughs) 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 Equally, equally lacking on plot, but we do get... uh, a main character who is like Gomez Adams, but but an asshole like Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, if Gomez Adams was the private detective from like one of those fifties slapstick comedy films, that's what we would get. Yeah, uh, this like that guy. I, yeah, I was gonna say basically, this one's kind of like it's like a Giallo movie. There's a strip club and the dancers keep getting butchered after they perform and we have Gomez walking around trying to solve it while somehow antagonizing the police and being an asshole and not actually helping solve it and at the end revealing that maybe he solved it way earlier and he just let a whole bunch of fucking women die for no reason yeah just kind, yeah, of, fucked, kind of fucked up once once again old, old HGL yeah, we got some questions about about his views on women. Well, got some questions about his views on detectives too, because this guy is supposed to be like the world's greatest detective, and all he does is ask. Like he goes up to people, hands them ten dollar bills, and says, "Tell me everything you know about this person," and somehow that's how he figures it all out. But then it turns out he doesn't actually solve the crime that way. It's coincidentally that he personally does not get along with the killer is actually what leads to it. Right. And I would say I would say this one way more entertaining than uh, Wizard of Gore was. Because although there it follows the same uh, uh, template, you know what I mean? It's basically just set up, murder, set up, murder, set up, murder. Like that's yeah. That's it. But in this case, every time there's a setup, it involves the girl putting on a striptease. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, <laughs> no, I was going to say, plus, there's actually characters with, like, personalities that are interesting. Like, the Gomez Adams character, he's a fucking douchebag. But at least you're kind of like, haha, that guy's an asshole. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, or his, his part, quote fingers, partner, who's just desperately seeking his attention to the whole thing and getting completely used by him. But at least, like I said, at least they're interesting. Instead of just making big flowery speeches about, is it a dream? <laughs> I'll grant that they are a character. I don't know if I'll go as far as to say that they are interesting characters. 
I, I will point out that this movie has on display uh, one of HGL's big faults that is held truth if you watch a lot of his movies. He has no fucking concept of a soundtrack. Just none. <laughs> like, he has no oh, fucking yeah. no. idea what, what music fits a scene. You don't think that, like, the Benny Hill music playing throughout this movie was appropriate <laughs> for a horror film? That's what I'm talking about. Like, there's, there's a scene with a dude stabbing a woman's face with a meat fork while, like, yakety sax is fucking playing. It's the weirdest. <laughs> Wait, I just have to correct what you just said, though. It's not a scene. That happens actually more than once in the movie. <laughs> right, right, more than once. And after, like... A scene and a half earlier, a woman is stripping to the same song. No stripper would strip to that song. And why can't any of the strippers dance? I don't know why the strippers can't dance. Eh, it's the 70s. <laughs> well, here's the thing. If you have strippers that can't dance, like, and you're making a film about it, you just you edit around that. You use close-ups and you cutaways and different things to do. No, we're just going to hold the camera on them and watch them not be able to dance as these poor girls embarrass themselves like it's pretty bad right i like his weird his weird close-ups of girls butts is a fucking strange thing too it's super weird because i'm like is that meant to be like titillating because it's not like you're zooming in so much like it took me a second to realize it's a butt like it's (laughs) here's here's the thing all all of the victim girls in this are very attractive women every every one of them they're all very very attractive and that 1970s aesthetic usually does it for me like i like it i like i like the look of the hair i like all of it and yet somehow the between the bad dancing and the terrible music and the the weird outfit choices and the weird like i don't know i don't know dutch angled pornography that he's trying to fucking make like it looks like a like a badly cut episode of Batman 66, the 70s porn. I, I, I was definitely thinking it was, uh, the dancing was just like Batman 66, except then the girls would take off their clothes, and you're like, well, that, that didn't happen in Batman. Right, I'm just saying, I don't I don't understand how you take something that is inherently sexy and make it unsexy. That seems like such a hard fucking thing to do. <laughs> <sighs> Meaning you didn't find it sexy when he took that one yeah, and bent her over the table and then smacked her ass with a tenderizer hammer? I was, I was going to say, <laughs> what the? How do you kill somebody by punching them in the ass with a tenderizer hammer? Well, he eventually went to the head, too. Just, I'm just saying, I beat her into submission first. I think, I think getting hit in the ass with a wooden meat mallet would hurt a little bit. Like, it wouldn't even hurt. Horribly, it would just hurt a little bit. Well, it it mangles up her ass, like it must have sharp points to it, right? right? Yeah, but it is a tenderizer, right? Isn't it? Yeah. I sp- yeah, but your skin is so supple, <laughs> and and that is the most supplest part of the body. Like that's the <laughs> worst part to hit with the hammer. You want to hit something with like some bone underneath it, because that'll mangle something up. Well, it, it clearly cuts her up. I, I can't explain all the physics behind that kill exactly, but it works. And it actually looks pretty good on camera as much as it's, again, it's weird because you're like beating somebody in the ass with a kitchen utensil is inherently funny, but you're trying to do it as like this over the top 
gore scene, which makes me feel like you don't want me to laugh at it. But right, <laughs> and she's the chick that gets stabbed in the face of the meat fork, and you're like, okay, yeah. stabbed in the face of the meat fork is pretty hardcore. I like mm-hmm. I'm, that's some Jason shit right there. I, I dig that. So why did we do the weird beat in the ass with the mallet thing? Like, <laughs> and I do like that's the extent. Did one too where he kills one girl and then a roommate walks in, he grabs her, <laughs> murders her, and then like a third person walks in and you're like, I was gonna get her too. And then, but no, that's just the person finding the body. But oh my god, how much did you want that third one killed because she started screaming? I oh my and, god, I really wanted it to. Just oh my going. god, she's screaming and it's atrociously terrible, and you're just like, kill her so that she'll stop screaming. <laughs> just make it stop I don't want to listen to this screaming anymore and then a fourth girl shows up and the third one keeps screaming and I'm like no please stop and deliver dialogue poorly instead of screaming poorly please <laughs> oh it's killing me I had a lot of trouble with the acting in this movie <laughs> it was not good <laughs> no and the only was Gomez kept being real chill about seeing mangled bodies. I think Did that he might also him. kill people. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but then he, he was like intentionally misleading the cops. He wasn't just not helping them. He was tricking the cops into having other ideas so that they wouldn't bother him while he did his investigation. Right. And uh, like, so, so once again, in, we can talk about, uh, I, I generally don't, prescribe character motivations to the director of the film, right? Because that's not that's not fair. You're doing what the character would do, not not what you would want to do. But Herschel's pretty much proven that he, he gets off on dragging out mangling women scenes. That's his thing. Well, so, I mean, yeah. So Gomez's fucking plot at the end of the movie is he set this girl up to be super into a very strong drink to get her drunk, to get her jealous, to convince her to drunkenly take off her clothes on stage in front of a bunch of strangers <laughs> to attract the murderer to her. I mean, technically it's a compliment because he assumes that she'll win the amateur strip contest that's going on. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I suppose, but that that like whole ending plot line, I'm like, Ew. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty icky by today's standards. This girl that's been like throwing herself at him the whole movie. And he's like, if I get her drunk enough, and like he can like I can like neg her into joining yeah. this strip tease contest unofficially, and then if she's drunk enough, she'll take off all her clothes, which none of the other girls did. So then she'll actually win, and then the killer will try to get her. And keeping in mind at this point, he knows who the the, yeah. the audience and nobody else knows, but. Yeah, 100%. In the whole nagging her thing, you start to think back to the whole movie, and he's been doing it the whole movie. The whole movie, he's been setting her up to just so desperately seek his uh, attention and affection that she would do something that stupid. It's it's just it's real fucked up. That's more fucked up than stabbing a chick in the eye with a meat fork. It kind of is, yeah. Because at least stabbing her in the eye is just a straightforward thing. Like, he really messed with her head, and it was all to get her to be bait for a killer. And by the way, she'd be so drunk that there's no way she could defend herself as part of the plan. And right. then didn't didn't let the cops in on this plan so they could be there to protect 
doctor just assumed he'd be able to fix this whole thing. And that's all based on his assumption that his conclusion, which is very, very far-fetched about who the actual killer is. Because <laughs> we'll have to discuss that. But Oh, well, we can... Here's here's the thing. There's a, there's a reason why I compared him to Sherlock Holmes, because uh, uh, have you guys read any Sherlock Holmes stories? Are you guys fans of that at all? Yeah. No. So the, the good thing about a good mystery novel is that the reader should be able to solve the mystery if if they really really paid attention, but they won't because you know what I mean. That's that's the whole thing. They should be able to, but they don't. But Sherlock Holmes mysteries are always completely unfair because he always has information that the reader does not have, and he always has it solved from the very beginning of the fucking story. So it almost devalidates everything that they go through, and Watson is really the only interesting non-piece-of-shit character in all the stories. But that's what they do in this movie. They get He gets all the way to the end, and whenever he starts unfolding the mystery, and it's like... It involves this fucking chick being like a fucking professional wrestler and (laughs) that he just happens to recognize, too. Just so we're clear, he just has such in-depth knowledge of lady wrestling. He recognizes this waitress as a former wrestler. That's what I'm saying. Whenever he unpacks this whole thing and he's like, oh, and then this wrestler went to work for this guy who happens to own the club that she's working in. And it's like, well, what the what? We had no fucking clue about any of this. This is just a weird fucking post hoc info dump. (laughs) (laughs) It's super fucking weird, too. It involves so many little twists and turns, and this fucking douchebag detective just happens to know people in the wrestling industry. We see him talking to them, but it's not revealed to the audience that they were wrestlers when he talked to them. It's so fucking weird. (laughs) And you know what? And one of the ways. The story that he unfolds is actually a story that I'm like, you know, that actually sounds kind of fucking interesting. They probably could have done that instead of 50 percent of this movie being extended striptease scenes. <laughs> yeah, that could have been interesting, but that's not at all what they were trying to. I know. I'm, I'm just saying they had it there. I, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I, I enjoy these movies for what they are. But but now they also slightly make me ill for what they are. <laughs> so I'm guessing Just you made Char upsetting. watch this with you? No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do you say that? She, she was asked. Well, she was she was asking about him. She goes, "Are these ones that I can watch?" And I was like, "No, I will go back into the back room of shame and watch these because you will you will be mad at me if you watch these movies." <laughs> Amanda watched Wizard of Gore with me. And and when it was over, she's like, that was weird and dumb. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Actually. Yeah. We we said that, too. We just used a lot more words. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I wasn't a big fan of this one either. I think I'm starting to decide I'm just, I'm not a Herschel Gordon-Lewis guy. That's fine. I I would definitely give, if you guys have not seen Blood Feast... I've seen Blood Feast. That's the only other one I've seen. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to give it a once ever before you uh, totally give up on him because Blood Feast is real fucking fun. Yeah, I don't know. I I think the thing with these movies is they were made for uh, a time, and that time has passed. That's all it is. If we were college guys, 
1972 and we were drunk and it was 11 and somebody said at midnight there's going to be this movie and it's got strippers and then they fucking get hacked up. We'd all go and we'd all have a great time. But I don't think that in 2020 that that's relevant. I think that's just the issue. I think these movies have just are back their time. So it's interesting to see them and see how maybe they influenced future movies. But I... I don't need to put up with that detective character for all movie <laughs> just to watch strippers and kills. I'm, Did you guys notice he broke yeah. the fourth wall a couple times too? Yes. Yeah. And I well, that's how the movie like, ends. Yeah. We did it like, I think, I think I counted three in the movie where he just like looked right into the camera. and was like, ah, you see what we're doing here? And I'm like, no, fuck off. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. I, f- I feel like Blood-, Blood Feast is the superior movie just because uh, he- that dude's menacing eyebrows are the best part of the whole fucking <laughs> well, you sold me. I mean, if you'd told me about the eyebrows earlier. Oh, my God. Never been on the list. Come on. Just just fucking you got to watch it. Just wait. You'll see the eyebrows and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, my God, this is going to be fucking berserk. Who put the eyebrows on this man? <laughs> Uh, I will let you both know that the Wizard of Gore remake DVD, because it's not on Blu-ray, is only 10 bucks on Amazon, so I've already ordered mine. Sweet. We'll see. I will check later, because I want to get angry on Mike when I realize it's $47 in Canada. (laughs) Or I can buy it for $10 US since paid $37 on shipping to get it brought here. Uh, anything else before we move on? Yeah, HGL movies. Uh, man, they're real <laughs> hard to fucking recommend to people, aren't they? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, I think I'm with Brian here about just not being necessarily a fan. I had thought because I signed up for the Criterion thing that I'd watch a bunch more, and I, I didn't. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, there is a there is a level of of cheese and and pointless violence that you have to super super be into before you can really really enjoy these movies and like and i think it's actually wearing off on me in which i've always been one of those people that is super into those things but i would say most most hgl movies if if you have a couple beers and some friends over so that you're not like worried about the plot because you have like people to talk to <laughs> then, then, they're, then they're perfectly fun like it's a fun thing to watch it's just not necessarily something you need to fully experience does that make sense like you don't need the full thing like, yeah, go, on, go on YouTube and find the gore scenes and I'm sure they're on there right you could probably enjoy that that way if that's what you're interested in watch Watch Blood Feast, and if you don't really, really, really fucking enjoy Blood Feast, just don't watch any of the rest of his movies. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, We do have one piece of feedback. A friend of the show, Brian, with an I, 
says, uh, hey guys, it's been a long, long time since I've written in. Yes, I'm still one of your three or four listeners. And yes, you're still my favorite podcast. Sorry about that. Uh, I hope you guys are staying healthy in this insane sci-fi channel B movie we're living in. Now, that would at least be way more fun. It would be like fucking, you know, alligator bears or something attacking people. If it was a sci-fi channel B movie. Uh, says we could go for some alligator bears, right? Awesome uh, store. <laughs> uh, with everything going on, it's, a, it's important that we do have an outlet to forget about shit, if even for an hour or two. And you guys deliver that in spades. So here's to what you're doing. Here's to you for doing what you do best. Thank you. And Brian, I really thank you for leading me to the best movies never made podcast. That is a fantastic podcast. Doug and Noah, you should definitely give it a listen if you haven't yet. Um, he says, I have one idea for a, for a show just for the hell of it. Highway to hell and drive angry. You should do it. You won't be disappointed. All the best, guys. Keep up the great work and stay healthy. Thank you. I do enjoy uh, Best Movies Never Made. Yeah, I've been listening to it as well, and I enjoy it quite a bit. It's, it's super fun. Yeah. My my new podcast obsession is something completely different. Uh, the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. Okay. So it is so fucking impossible to explain to people what it is. So it is a surrealist comedy podcast that's done almost like an NPR-esque show about uh the about the beef and dairy industry and it's fucking hilarious but but once again it's impossible to explain because it's it's so surrealist that it it exists in this other fucking world that just any sense and you kind of just have to listen to the podcast to get it because it ends up being nothing but inside jokes if that makes sense mm-hmm. So, like, uh, the podcast is always joking about people who eat lamb, and basically they treat lamb as a drug. So teenagers are going bow-peeping on the weekend and drinking mint sauce. And yeah, uh, like I, I said, it's, it's hard. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's impossible. I, you cannot ex- explain it to somebody. They have to listen to it to, like, get what it is. And I think it's about 50-50. I think it's either people will listen to it and be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Or they will be like me and just be maniacally laughing the entire fucking time. I don't know. It's really fucking funny. Cool. Go listen to that. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to. Well, did, uh, did anybody watch anything? Uh, I watched a couple things. What'd you watch? Uh, I watched a couple more episodes of Scrubs because I'm listening to the <laughs> Scrubs We Watch podcast. It's uh, still delightful. You're, I, not, you're not listening to Fake Daughter, Fake Doctors, Real Friends. That's what I was talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just said something else. I didn't know. That's that's no the re, the, the Scrubs Rewatch podcast. Yeah, yeah. that's what. It is. Uh, yeah, did say it's awesome properly. Like I said, I fucking Fucking, I, I love Scrubs. I don't know. I didn't start watching it till that show was off the air, and, and then I, like, sat down and watched the whole fucking thing all in 
like several days worth of sitting and losing my mind one time whenever I didn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like it. And I love that podcast too. Cause they kind of, it's all just inside baseball. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I'm going to fuck up their names. Zach Braff and Donald. Is that his Faison. name? Donald Faison. Donald, Donald Faison. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They're so uh, happy and positive mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> and I think I think that in the bleakness that is the current times, that's that's perfect. Like I could I can use people who just are infectiously positive about everything. Sure. Yeah. So that was good. Uh, I watched the uh, the reunion episode of Tiger King, of course. Oh, yeah. Did you guys watch it? Yep. I did. I was a little disappointed right. that it was a reunion thing. I was hoping for like an update episode, which I had a little bit of that, but not. not I like the. Did you guys notice that the running theme was every single person was like, "I don't do math." <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> which is, which is weird because you, even whenever they say "I don't do math," that just makes you go, "Yeah, you do." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was one of the themes. The other theme was everybody was like, I thought it was fair, and I'm glad they made Jeff Lowe look bad. And then Jeff Lowe was like, I didn't think it was fair at all, and I think they attacked me. <laughs> it's like everybody else is like, yeah, I'm glad they showed him bad. Every, and then he's just like, oh, he's all angry about it. I just like the Joel tell, McHale I'll kept asking him how many Affliction shirts he owned. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think the thing that fucked me up is so they went through everybody, and you know, they talked to uh, the guy. I, who everyone loves the the fuck it guy the the long haired yeah. dude I can't remember what his name is yeah and and that was great and it seems like he's doing okay so you're like okay that's positive and then they yeah. get through but then they get to what's his face the campaign manager and I was like oh my god Jesus. I forgot about this guy and he looks so mentally ill <laughs> like yeah he's saying he's trying he's trying to like, raise money so he can go to therapy. <laughs> Right, right. He, he is he is unwell, and that is that He's is not doing good. So fucking sad. No, yeah, yeah. It's fucked. It's fucked up. Whenever you can just see it, you know what I mean. That's not least, supposed uh, to be something obvious. At least he knows, and he's trying to get help, which is right. better than the alternative. But. I mean, I suppose that happens whenever you see one of your friends blow their fucking brains out on accident. Yeah. yeah. Well, could you please do let everyone know that you used quotation marks around the word accident? There's people running around on drugs with guns and putting them to their own heads and firing them without double checking to see if they're empty or not isn't exactly an accident. Well, by well, by accident, yeah, sorry, I, by accident, I simply mean not on purpose. Yeah, I guess I forgot you guys are Americans and pulling the trigger on a gun without checking whether it's empty is just socially acceptable. To- down there. Well, in, in other parts of the world, that's frowned upon. Yeah. You guys might not be. He was, he was trying to prove that it wouldn't fire without the clip in, which he was wrong about. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to laugh at that, but those things don't happen in other parts of the world where people yeah. don't just run around with guns for no reason. But Doug, a piece of paper says that we're allowed to own guns, and nobody's ever going to change that. You mean the amendment that can't be changed? 
because you Shut can your... no longer amend it once it's been amended once. Is that Shut how that works? Shut your whore mouth. Okay. Nope. Don't <laughs> we have an amendment that says I'm allowed to say that? But you're Canadian and we don't trust that shifty Justin Trudeau right now. No. Are you yeah. kidding me? We would still trade you in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but fuck you guys and your competent leadership. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard. It's very controversial. Um, Justin Trudeau went on Easter weekend. He went to a cottage with his wife and kids. So that's our yeah. controversy we have going on up here. Yeah. He traveled. It's like about 20 minutes away from his residence. Mm-hmm. I guess his wife and kids were already staying there, so he went to meet them for the weekend. So that was that was the big problem we had in Canada this week. I fucking hate you. <laughs> moving on. Oh, we do, we do have one more problem. which is I said moving on. <laughs> your guy keeps trying to reopen the border between our two countries, and we're like, no, 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 not yet. <laughs> That's how you guys fix some shit. It's like, hey, hey, you guys are doing a shitty fucking job. So why don't you just stay down there? Stay That's down. The premier of our province basically said that on TV today. Well, I mean, one of one of the exact words where we, right don't, we don't want them here was his exact words. Yeah, I was going to say right now one of the is uh, South Dakota, and they are just a hop, skip, and a jump from you. So. Well, New York's right on the border with where we are too so yeah but new york's still smart enough to be shut down yeah it's true we still have what seven seven states that refuse to do anything oh my god have you guys seen the pictures from is it from ohio i think they've literally they've got the shot that they're putting it up next to the shot of the dead shot of all the zombies trying to get in the bar and it's like looks exactly the same yeah have you seen that one Yes. The protesters yes. trying to like I don't know where they're protesting the courthouse or something. Yeah, I believe it was Michigan. Because oh, they said, okay. Hey, everybody, you need to start staying at home. And people were like, Nobody's telling me to stay in my house. So I'm gonna go to the courthouse. Well do do it voluntarily. I really like a couple of the states like uh, I think it's Arkansas is one of the ones that hasn't done it. And they said, yeah, but we're doing great because uh, people are doing it voluntarily. And right now you're having an explosive problem of your counties are reporting that their hospitals are now full. And they're like, yeah, but people are volunteering. And it's like, but but they're not. <laughs> it's, it's not working at all. It's like, I don't think you understand yeah. the words you're saying. Do you watch anything else, Noah? Uh Besides that, I have watched one half of The Sword of Doom, which is a, a really good 1960s uh, samurai movie. Mm-hmm. It's pretty dumb. Maybe I'll, get, I'll give a fuller review of it next week once I finish it. Cause yeah. I, I can say that so far there's been a fucking sick-ass fight scene of basically like a guy walking down a path and he gets jumped by like 20 guys. And it's almost like the... Uh, the old boy claw hammer fight scene, but it's like a dude with a samurai sword just cutting through 20 dudes. Just pretty awesome. Nice. Sounds pretty good. What have you been watching, Doug? What about you, Doug? Uh, I got tons of stuff here. Uh, first thing, because you told me to, Brian, I watched uh, Suburbia from 83 yeah. or whatever. About the, the punk kids that move on it on their own. Yeah. Uh, 
you didn't warn me that the movie is bookended by children dying on screen. That would have been a nice heads up to have going into it. Oh. <laughs> it's literally the opening scene and the closing scene of the movie are children dying. Uh, hey, Doug, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> no, it probably improved my enjoyment of the movie. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, the kid at the beginning is eaten by a dog. <laughs> How am I not going to get happy about that? <laughs> Good for that dog. I bet he slept um, well that night. Well, like, it's funny because, like, one of the witnesses and the dog end up becoming characters in the movie. <laughs> but the kid is just there as, like, an introduction to those two people. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. You gave kind of a pretty good description of it. Uh, last mm-hmm. week or the week before, whenever it was. Yeah, a couple weeks um, ago. So I won't get too detailed on it. But yeah, I mean, it was just a, an interesting kind of one of those time and place movies. Like, mm-hmm. look at this. Look what's happening here. And not so much plot driven. Um, just kind of an interesting look at. Yeah. A part of life that people don't talk about enough, which is almost kids that group together to take care of themselves because nobody else is taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Um super fucking weird like to see it and you don't think of it in terms you wonder how often this would happen is like the parents that know their kids are living in that flop house with those other kids and don't know what to do about it and you know you kind of think in those terms of like okay well what would you do like i mean you can't you can't really drag a 16 year old home there's not a lot you can do about it right mm-hmm. so it's kind of weird yeah. like there's the, the scenes where the, the the one dad is like a cop and he knows that there's people that are out and angry at these kids and he goes there to warn them and that's kind of all he can do and they don't want to talk to him because he's a cop and he's like I'm here to help guys like I don't like he's like I can't really do anything about this except for warn you guys yeah so it's weird yeah. yeah I mean I agree it's just it's like oh this is I mean they're not saving like the rec center or something it's just like some shit's going down. There's not like a huge plot to it. You're mainly just kind of following people that are sort of forced to, to live together for no other reason than just yeah. nobody else wants them. So. Yeah. And I, you kind of like, like there's not really good guys and bad guys in the movie either. Like these kids are clearly causing trouble some of the time and other times they're clearly being victimized by people who are just like, willing to write them off as scum Mm -hmm. and you know the kind of goes back and forth um the one thing i I thought it did well it really showed like this the sort i guess he's the main character ish the kid that we meet at the beginning that Mm -hmm. joins in and ends up bringing his little brother in um you see him kind of get absorbed by this and you see his we see his home life how he doesn't really like being with his family and then we kind of see how these people take him in and they're kind to him and how he ends up getting brought into this lifestyle, even though he was just this normal, like suburban kid at the beginning of the movie. And you're like, oh, I can see that. Like I can, you make somebody feel wanted and make them feel like they're part of something and they join in and they be, they become, you know, whether, whether you view it as a problem or whatever, you, they, they become that and they don't want to go back to the other life because they feel, they, they feel wanted basically is what it comes down to. I thought that was handled quite well. Yeah. Especially considering, like, none of the acting is good. So it's like <laughs> being able to kind of make, make you feel that without relying on the performances is difficult. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, at least she made the decision to uh, just get real punk kids and basically just be like, okay, so just just be yourself. And that's pretty yeah. much like her only direction. So, yeah, so anyways, yeah, I ended up enjoying it. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't know if I recommend it to very many people, but yeah, I thought I, it worked for me. It's the kind of movie I can get behind. Where I just I start to sort of feel bad for these kids, and then they do a couple of shitty things, and you're like, yeah, I shouldn't feel bad for these kids. <laughs> so, I kind of like that. Yeah, I did enjoy the scenes of them stealing food. I thought that was just <laughs> that was one of the fun moments of the film. Was where they're just driving around neighborhoods and looking for people who left their garages open and running in and stealing food out of them. <laughs> um, you know, which because you don't really feel like they're doing anything wrong if they're stealing food, even though maybe. I'd be pissed if somebody stole my food, but hmm. I can also kind of understand. Yeah, it is a weird, weird sort of like middle, middle ground. Yeah. It's like, well, they're teenagers. How else are they supposed to get food? But yeah, yeah they are stealing it. I don't know. It, yeah. I mean, cause yeah, I mean, if they were stealing, if they were stealing something else, that'd probably be, I would have a lot less sympathy for them, but if it's just meh, you know, you kind of feel like if somebody's stealing food, that means they need it. So, yeah. um, and then after that, I watched uh, the the ruins from two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember this one? It's a movie I really liked at the time, and I hadn't seen it in a while. And my internet wasn't working, so I had to watch something I owned on DVD or Blu-ray. <laughs> um, holds up really, the, really well. I saw it for the first time a couple of years ago, so. I remember, I remember yeah. enjoying it. So, yeah. it's super weird. Like, uh, like the gore in it is really good. The atmosphere is really good. The characters are all kind of likable. It's you know it's got like actors in it that you'll you'll kind of recognize, um, but not big name actors. And then it's it's weird because like this movie is about plants that come to life and, and kill people. And then the plants can also like mimic cell phone rings to trick people into coming closer to them and stuff. And you're thinking like that just sounds cheesy and crazy, but it actually works as like a legitimate horror film. Mm-hmm. And to me, that says something about the director. He must have done something really good, he or she. Well, when I looked, it's like they haven't done much else. I'm kind of surprised by that. So I'm like kind of disappointed i was going to go down a rabbit hole and that i didn't have one to go down per se (laughs) but yeah i really like this movie i think it's i don't know how many people have seen it how many people haven't but it's one of those ones where it's like there's lots of like blood and guts when you want there to be there's lots of good tension there's like the neat plot where they're all trapped on the on these ruins getting attacked by these plants and then there's like some tribe shows up and is just standing guard and won't let them leave because they obviously know what's going on um, I liked all of that. I don't know. Really, just a, a really solid horror film that was like actually like a, a serious kind of scary movie, which we don't get enough of. Yeah. and I think it's based on a book too. It is based on a book. I've heard from multiple sources that the book is really good. But I uh, can't back that up. I haven't read it myself. So I think at one point I said I was definitely going to read it. I haven't even gotten close. <laughs> so, <laughs> I should probably read a book again one day. Yeah, books are for suckers. But, 
today's not that day. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, everyone should watch the ruins if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, it holds up. So you should probably watch it again. Uh, after that, you guys remember uh, a couple weeks ago when I had watched uh, watched that one movie about a viral outbreak, and I'm like, I should track down a copy of Outbreak, but it wasn't streaming anywhere, and I got upset. Mm. And I was upset for no good reason because I still have my VHS copy of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, well, why was I angry about not being able to find this on the internet? I should have just checked. <laughs> so I threw that in. Um, it all also holds up way better than I thought it was going to. It's kind of ridiculous and over the top, but it's got a great cast. Like, I, like I forgot that. Like, I knew I remember like Dustin Hoffman being in it and Rene Russo. I forgot Donald Sutherland was in it. I forgot Kevin Spacey was in it. I forgot Cuba Gooding Jr. was in it. Like, it's really solid cast. So even though some of the stuff that's going on is a bit ridiculous, um, I. Uh, still I still thoroughly enjoyed it it's you know it is to uh, virus movies it's it's the Armageddon of virus movies for lack of a better term <laughs> where it is just there's some pretty ridiculous stuff going on where you've got like the US government is going to bomb a town to wipe out a virus and you know meanwhile Dustin Hoffman is chasing a monkey through the woods trying to track it down <laughs> um but yeah I, I enjoyed it for what it is. I, I think people, if you're into that kind of a movie, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, yeah, weirdly, I've never seen it. Never seen it? No. Uh, it's a, like I say, it's, it's a product of its time. It is what it is, but it's a fun movie. It's not a serious, what was it? Contagion was the other one I watched that was like sort yeah. of deadpan, serious deal, this viral outbreak. This is more of a, an action-y type movie. So, yeah, I haven't seen it since it came out. Yeah. I have, I don't think I've seen it in years. Like I say, I owned it on VHS, and I had to put in the VHS in order to rewatch it, because I don't think I've seen it since it, since our format existed. So uh, it's a... It, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it, really. The, the plot of the movie is like, this catches a virus, and then it through a series of like different events like the monkey is sold into a pet shop and then it bites a guy and then this and that and the virus is spreading around and it turns out there's like this subplot involving the virus may have been developed by governments and stuff like this so but mostly it's just Dustin Hoffman running around screaming at people and you know his his staff is like uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Kevin Spacey who are like reasonably young young enough to be people who worked under Dustin Hoffman at the time anyway and uh, it's yeah. fun uh, so after that it, it was Easter weekend so the movie I've been waiting about nine months to watch I finally got to which is of course Beaster Day which is also known as the Beaster Bunny for those of you who are curious <laughs> it's about a giant bunny attacking a town that is occupied by the main characters are, are a group of dog catchers who become put in charge of tracking down what's killing people. Um, and it is just an atrociously terrible movie. It pretty much follows the Herschel Gordon Lewis template of, of introduce a character, kill the character, introduce a character, kill the character, introduce a character, kill the character. 
Um, whoever made it clearly has some sort of, of a fetish, or they only know how to do the special effect for severed limbs, because every kill involves somebody's limb being severed, except for like the one where the person gets bitten in half. It's got a bunch of terrible humor in it, um, such as like the one girl's like tweeting while she's walking along, and then the giant bunny attacks her and kills her. She tries to finish her tweet before she dies. Kind of that type of humor is in it. So just not not very fun. The giant bunny thing doesn't even. It looks more like a giant rat than a bunny to me. But I don't know any other horror films really, so I'll probably be talking about this again about a year from now. So I'll feel you, obligated to watch it. You look up Easter Casket. Easter Casket. Mm-hmm. I will keep that in mind because because <laughs> I really don't want to watch this again. But <laughs> what are you going to do on the holidays? You got to watch the holiday themed horror. Yeah, I only heard about this movie like. I don't know, I think it's from a few years ago, but I only heard about it this summer. And I'm like, well, I gotta save that for Easter. Well, and there's always the best Easter movie of all time, which is oh, Critters 2. Of course. Keeping in mind that our podcast's official policy remains that the Ernest films are Easter films, because we did put those out for our Easter show a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah, don't watch Beaster Day or the Beaster Bunny or whatever. It's not. It's not good. And don't get fooled by the poster art because the poster art, the bunny on it, looks pretty badass. In the movie, it does not. <laughs> so. Uh, and then I went down a weird rabbit hole, and I watched two different documentaries about Gigi Allen <laughs> because I don't know why. I I have no idea why, but I was literally like just sitting here and like maybe it's just way too much fucking time on my hands not being allowed to leave the house. <laughs> But I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, like completely out of the blue. I'm like, Todd Phillips directed that hated documentary about Gigi Allen, and I've never seen it. <laughs> like, I don't know why I remembered that, but I'm like, I should watch that. And uh, so I did. And it's super fucked up. And there's way too much footage of actual Gigi Allen concerts where you actually have to see him take a shit and throw it at people. <laughs> oh, and his horrible, horrible, tiny little Gigi Allen penis. Yeah, yeah, I didn't enjoy that at all. Um, I don't know why the drummer was always naked, too. It's it's very, very weird and strange, and I found it very... I don't know, it was one of those things, too, like, it's... Every time he started talking, he would start with, like, normal punk rock stuff, He'd start with like, you know, you got to live free and you don't want to be tied down by a bunch of possessions. And you're like, yeah. And then he's like, that's why I only own one pair of pants and one shirt. And I'd be like, well, how do you wash them then? And, then, you know, there's there's a, a thing, a neat thing that's offset is one of the former members of his band who clearly doesn't like him is uh, they cut to an interview with him every now and again. And he's talking about how like uh, – I think it was him who said, like, G.G. Allen would visit John Wayne Gacy in prison, and then when other people would visit, John Wayne Gacy would complain about G.G. Allen smelling bad when he came in. <laughs> and it's like, well, if serial killers are complaining about your odor, it's time to start bathing more often. This is a problem. You've taken your punk rock lifestyle a step too far. Um, you just don't understand but, punk rock, yeah, Doug. I mean, it, you know what? You're right. I don't. I acknowledge that. He, I've he, never... put, the, he put 
a crust and crust punk. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I understand like the whole like being frustrated with society thing and wanting to separate yourself from it a little. I think some people take it a little too far. I, I, I don't understand why you would want shit thrown at you at a concert. <laughs> um, that's funny. I, like I was thinking about it and I'm thinking like the first time I heard of Gigi Allen was when he was on Jerry Springer and it was, I was probably like 12, 13 or something at the time watching it. And I remember thinking like, my approach to the Jerry Springer show was very much like my approach to pro wrestling where I'm like, at first I thought this was real. Then I'm pretty sure it's fake. Then I'm like, this is going to be more fun if I just pretend this is real. So I'm just going to go with that for a while. <laughs> and when Gigi Allen was on the show, I'm like, this is one of the ones that's like clearly too fake to be real. <laughs> and it was like later on that I realized he was like a real musician. And that most of the shit he was saying was, this was true. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, I thought that was somebody like faking it for the Jerry Springer show, but I guess not. Uh, the other documentary I watched goes by a couple of different names, uh, and some people call it uh, Gigi Allen, All in the Family. And it's supposed to be more of a look at his background and stuff that would give you more insight to how he became who he is. Uh, it's not really. It doesn't get too much into it. They do interview some of his like high school friends and stuff because they're kind of normal human beings and you're like well that's that's weird that they're normal and they're not even like punk guys or anything um, and they spend a lot of time with his brother who was in his band and meeting up with his mother and asking them their opinions on stuff and the one thing that does become really clear about it is especially when he's talking to the mother and she pulls out like letters that he'd written her and stuff and it's like yeah there was a normal human being underneath all that and to some extent all that punk rock stuff was a show like there you know he could just be the nice guy that wrote his mom a letter for mother's day and stuff like that as well um so it's it's kind of one of those things where you start to wonder like which one of these is the real dude and which one of these is the fake dude because he was clearly living the punk lifestyle but he was also capable of the other thing so all that's interesting if you're you know i don't know stuck in the house for weeks at a time <laughs> interested in watching documentaries about this stuff yeah um stuff yeah. you kind of glom onto for some reason out of nowhere <laughs> yeah like it was just one of those things where i'm like yeah I, I i'm suddenly curious about this that and i don't know why and you know um it's certainly interesting subject matter it's kind of fucking weird like and it's like like when they when they get caught up with like the uh, the brother in the current times and he's still making money off of the name he's still touring with the band as the murder junkies which was always their name and he uh still like makes money by selling gg allen's clothes and stuff you know like, that's a little weird but on the other hand i guess wow my brother was famous and I could sell his t-shirts and not have to have a job. I'd probably do that too. So it's normal as mom seems. Cause she's like, she's a super old lady now. She seems very, very normal. <laughs> and they show her like reacting to some of her kids lyrics. And she's like all offended by the punk rock music, the way any other old lady would be. And I'm like, but both of your kids are in that band. How did like, they turned out this way somehow. <laughs> kind of weird didn't just happen i don't know no i mean the only kind of brief explanation you get is that 
they were probably abused by their father at a very young age. And it's like, but that, that's not enough. Like, that's, like, you know what I mean? Like, that does happen to people. They don't all turn out like this. So, like, how did you get from that to pooping in front of crowds and eating it? Because we have to watch that in the documentary. You don't have to, but if you choose to watch the documentary, you have to see that happen. So, I don't know. <laughs> you guys ever seen, have you guys seen, like, at least it's the more famous of the two documentaries. I haven't seen either one, and I could not tell you what a Gigi Allen song sounds like. So. Suck my shit! Eat my diarrhea! <laughs> <laughs> it's... That's, I honestly, like... That's, that's an actual lyric. Yeah. Um, the... Honestly, like, the stuff when he was, like, when he was kind of known... I really find the music is just, it's that kind of like offensive for offensive sake, yelling, screaming, not really trying to sound good kind of music. But what's weird is like in the, they show clips of him like throughout the eighties when he was just like more of a normal rock musician. And it's not bad. Like it sounds like rock. And if you're into that, it sounds pretty good. And I'm like, I kind of wish he'd done more of just that and gotten famous for that instead, because it sounds a lot better. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're into corpophilia, into overtism. Yeah, that's the latter half of his career. <laughs> um, so, anyways, if anybody's interested in checking those out, they're both available free online. Um, and then, in a complete turnaround, that's when I'm like, oh yeah, right, I'm supposed to be watching the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I forgot. <laughs> I promised myself I would do that. <laughs> so I went, it, it was literally, it was like, the G.G. Allen documentary, then watched Gorgor Girls, and then, then woke up the next day and put on Thor The Dark World. <laughs> um, which I have to say does not deserve the, not one of the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, but it looks nice, and most of the action is okay, and some of the humor works, and the performances from like the main characters are all fine. I mean, it's a little frustrating the way they treat the Odin character, where he's just constantly being wrong about everything. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this part of the movie, but it's, he's basically, every time he yells at Thor, you're like, well, whatever he's saying you shouldn't do, he's about to be proven wrong in just a second, right? He's, <laughs> throughout the movie, it just constantly seems to be that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. It's certainly not a high point of the MCU, but I don't necessarily understand why people... like. Compared to Iron Man 3, this is at least looks like it belongs in the MCU. and It's fine as far as like a background movie goes. Yeah. I know you hate it right now. Uh, like I said, I, th- I think that it is it is tied for worst with Iron Man 3. Yeah, I just like, like again, I'm not I'm not trying to defend it as a great film. I'm just I, I don't know how it gets the level of hate it gets i don't know how recently you've seen it uh i think i think it's one of the few ones that i've never managed to get through a second watch because i started watching it the second time and i was like oh yeah that's why i didn't like this and just turned it back off what about you brian uh i don't remember hating it but i don't think i've watched it since theaters but i think i own it i think i own it but i just uh yeah, I don't know. Just no, and, I don't, I don't think it. it. I don't think it really connected with me. 
like I'm trying to like think back to what the movie's about and everything that happens in it. And I'm just kind of coming up with like, well, I don't feel like that really pushed any characters forward. And I don't feel like anything that happened in the movie was really, uh, really like a big deal. I mean, maybe the stuff with, uh, Loki, but, you know, it just kind of sets him up to where he's going to be like in, uh, the next Thor movie and then the Avengers stuff like that. But I don't know. I just don't remember anything spectacular happening. No. And, and like, I think that's a fair review of it. It's not like, I don't think I would ever watch this one unless I was trying to make it through the whole universe again. And that's, you know, but it, it's weird. Just people talk about it. Like it's atrocious. And I just didn't find that. So again, it's not, it's not that it's it's not that it's bad. It's that it's not good, and the rest of the Marvel movies are good. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's it, it's I can understand totally why if you had like all twenty three or whatever movies on the shelf, you would never pick that one up. But, but it's still, I'd rather watch it again than one of the like DC movies again. Yeah. Especially like you, this is where I, you guys say except Shazam. So. I, I was going to say I think it except also Shazam. went off the cliff with, uh, you know, watching it. Uh, I remember thinking, man, I don't get why Marvel can't get cosmic superheroes. Like why they can't get this whole other world space thing. And then when things like Guardians of the Galaxy finally started coming out, you were like, well, no, they can do it. So why the fuck do they keep fucking Thor up? <laughs> if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then when yeah. Ragnarok came out, you were like, okay, well, at least they figured out how to make it fun. Yeah, I was going to say, well, and, I mean, and if, I if you just take the Thor movies, like ignore everything else, you'd line the Thor movies up. Like, when it comes to them, like... When you've got Thor Ragnarok, and I mean, first Thor, I would say, is not, like, the best movie ever, but it's at least the origin story. So then if you're going to pick a Thor movie, like, nine times out of ten, I'm picking either Ragnarok or the first one. Yeah. No, and that's those perfectly fair statements. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just... just feel like I'm defending a movie that I didn't like that much. I just don't <laughs> like to hear people talk talk about it the way they do. Is always like that it's a terrible piece of shit, and it's like, man, not really. Again, you're right. I, it's the worst of the three four Thor movies, but it's still better than a lot of other movies that are out there. Mm-hmm. It kind of held my interest, and then of course my reward for sitting through that, the next movie in this cinematic universe which i was gonna wait i was gonna do like one movie a week but fuck that because the next one was winter soldier so yeah uh i watched that as well and it's just it's just so fucking good it's yeah it's i mean we've talked about it a lot on this podcast especially considering it's kind of outside the scope of what our podcast is supposed to be (laughs) but it's it's near perfect it's probably my ideal version of what a superhero movie should be it balances the the drama with the action perfectly it has enough like weird superhero logic in it that it's like like a lot of like you know 
like when your soldier showing up happens to be his friend who happens to be killing somebody that's in his apartment and you're like well that's odd what do you think the odds of that happening are whatever you know and then oh look we tracked this signal down and it's the same base where he was uh trained and all that kind of stuff and you're like yeah that's comic book logic but it's handled in such a way that it still feels kind of real worldy and they balance it really well mm-hmm. yeah. captain america is kind of the per- perfect character for that because he is a superhero but he's not that much better than like he's not he's not not superman kind of thing like he's when he goes up against human beings it takes him a minute to beat them so that's always kind of fun yeah yeah, I remember this came out, I think, not too long after Man of Steel. And uh, yeah. I just remember saying, like, Winter Soldier, I'm just like, oh, that was a great Superman movie. Because we were all complaining well, about how how wrong they got, like, the tone of Man of Steel. Yeah. And I'm like, see, this is what you should have been doing, <laughs> is showing, like, yeah, he has, like, that old G-Shucks, like, sort of morality and stuff as a character. But then you yep. highlight why that stuff is important to that character rather than being like, yeah, we're just going to do dark Superman. It'll be all right. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It's why Marvel has been so successful and DC has mm-hmm. constantly stumbled is because Marvel stays true to their characters. And Like Winter Soldier, the plot of the movie is essentially his old school morality coming up against kind of the new ideas of security and the idea of like what morality is today. And the movie makes no qualms about it. It's like, no, no, no. Our character is right. The real world is what's wrong. Right? And it's it's not – we're not going to update our character to fit this world. This world should change back to being a place where our character fits in. And it's like – it's kind of ballsy in a sense. But it's like, yeah, like that's – that's why you're successful is because you're taking that comic book character you're inserting him in the real world and you're using it to point out what's wrong with the world rather than trying to update the character to be as wrong as the world is mm-hmm. you know and I, I think that's I think that that's the, the primary difference between my like like obviously like Superman and this have the same problem where it's this Boy Scout character with an kind of a you know, out of date type character you know decked out in the in the national colors and flying around with a smile on his face and stuff but fuck that that's why we watched that's why we like to cut the comics it's why we still like these characters is because they are that you shouldn't have to hide it yeah so anyways winter soldier pretty much the perfect movie so and, i need uh, to rewatch it i haven't watched it in a long thing. time I need to just go on like a Captain yeah, America it, kick and just watch the three Captain America movies back to back and see see how much how well they're they are like just as like sequels to a Captain America movie rather than Marvel movies. Yeah. I mean really Captain America becomes the main character of the cinematic universe after the first Avengers. So it is sort of like if you if you do like Winter Soldier and then you do from that point you go okay so then you watch the next Avengers movie then you do Civil War then you follow that into the next two Avengers movies you really get one kind of story arc that carries through and it it is probably the best thing to ever happen like objectively it's probably the best thing that's ever happened in cinema the idea that you take these characters and you make this story arc that lasts through all these movies yet all the to stand on their own but they also are part of a larger story and it's it's really well done so 
I'll let you guys know what I thought of uh, Age of Ultron next week because I'll probably end up watching that soon and I think it's like 50-50 whether I'm going to enjoy that or not depending as much on my mood as anything else yeah I just feel like that's sort of like the odd man out of the Avengers movies yeah my memory of it is that it, there's a lot of good stuff in it but there's just way too much stuff packed into it and so certain things get like short shrift yeah. and it's like I don't know like I, I remember thinking like the vision storyline feels like its own movie and instead it's just this like C plot in this other movie with all this other stuff going on because you have this origin of this like supremely powerful character and it's just happening in the background while we're dealing with Ultron mm-hmm. but I will say I'm excited see. for the uh, WandaVision series that's coming up yeah me too looks fun mm. and I really like her I think she's great in the role but she's just good in a lot of stuff it's weird because mm-hmm. her sisters were not particularly good at the acting thing yeah remember remember if you were in the mid 90s and you were like one of the Olsen sisters is going to be a pretty fantastic actress everybody would be like what the fuck are you talking about and then you'd have to realize <laughs> oh it's not one of the ones we know right now yeah Turns out they have a they have a sister who's really good at acting. I don't know why her oh. sister's got famous. No, although although the the twins made their comeback with uh, Dark Crystal on Netflix, oh. playing all the weird little ghostly puppets. Ouch! Shots fired from Noah. I mean, look at their pictures. Tell me they don't look like. I didn't puppets. say I disagreed with you. I just said shots fired. <laughs> We need all the hate mail from all the fucking fans out there. Big Full House fans that listen to our show. <laughs> and call in and complain. Which is good, because we never get any hate mail around here. We need some. Yeah. Bring down our nice. egos a little bit. Give us something to laugh at. Did you watch anything else? Uh, I think that's about it. I'll watch some TV shows, but don't need to get into those yet. Wait till I finish up the season. I started watching uh, the uh, Clone Wars, but there's Netflix or Netflix Disney Plus put out like a list of the 20 episodes you should watch mm-hmm. before watching the new season. So I'm going to make my way through those 20 episodes, but I don't really have any comments on them yet. I'm only like two in. So, hmm. all right, we'll uh, discuss at a later date. Uh, well, I watched a couple of things. Turn, Not nearly as much as Doug, but um, I checked out the uh, girl on the third floor. Uh, so apparently, CM Punk moves into a new house and starts to uh, to remodel it, and then a bunch of weird shit starts happening. And he learns that there's been apparently a lot of problems with this house ever since like the 1800s. So. Yeah, weird shit. Like ghosty now, type now stuff. When you say stuff. CM Punk, dude, are we to assume he's playing a, he's playing a character and it's not former wrestler CM Punk moves into us? Uh, well, Phil Brooks is playing a character. Okay. Um, and he's actually not horrible, which I was kind of surprised with. I figured oh. he'd be not great, but he's actually not terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, the movie's okay. 
there's just a lot of like shit going on. Like his wife is pregnant and she's still living like in the city while he's at the house. Cause the house is like in the suburbs and some girl keeps coming over that he thinks is a neighbor. Turns out there's a lot of that. She's not and a bunch of, she has ties to the house in one way or another. And yeah, I don't know. Like, it's okay. It's just sort of like, it seems like a lot going on, but then it runs really slow. So could be better. could be worse, but give it a watch, I guess. Um, then I checked out the original, don't be afraid of the dark. The 1970s movie, which I had been super excited to see because I enjoyed the remake that, uh, del Toro produced. So I figured why not give a look to sort of where it came from. Um, and I'm kind of shocked that this was a made for TV movie because it is kind of oh. creepy at certain points. Uh, I've never seen the original. I've always wanted to, I've wanted to since the remake came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty much plays out as you would expect, but, uh, you know, it's in the seventies. So there's a little bit more, um, a little bit more misogyny going on. So the, uh, the, uh, husband is like getting this big promotion, like, cause they just move into this house and apparently it was her grandparents' house. And, uh, she's wondering why in this, in this room, they call it the study. Uh, there's like a fireplace, but it's all bricked up. And then the ash collecting door is also like barred shut. And she's like, oh, but I want to open this up. So she pries the bars off and then she starts seeing weird little people running around the house and whispering and stuff like that. And the characters look like uh, they have like gorilla suit bodies, like all furry and stuff. And then their heads look like walnuts, weird, like super wrinkly skin and stuff. So, but they like keep whispering all the time, which makes it super creepy because it'll be like pitch black. And then you'll just hear like this, them whispering to each other, like, we're going to get her. Definitely. We're going to get her. And, you know, it's fun, but I mean... Like I said, a lot of it is um, the husband being like, I'm up for a big promotion, and you're you're causing problems with all this weird talk of what's going on. You must be hysterical type, type stuff. And, yeah, it just makes it funny. Um, but I really enjoyed it. But, like I said, creepy for a made-for-TV movie from the 70s. Sure, people were like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, well, again, though, keep in mind that that was a legitimate way to release a movie back then. We've talked about this with a couple of the other movies we've done that were for TV. It's just that a made-for-TV movie was like an event back then. So, I was reading up on it. Apparently, it was released as part of like ABC's like Sunday Night Mystery or something. I'm like, this isn't a mystery at all. This is this is a straight-up horror movie. The little people like. At one point, like, uh, she gets knocked out or something, and she wakes up, and the little people have tied, like, her legs together, and then are using another rope to drag her throughout the house. And I'm just like, that's creepy as fuck. So, yeah. 
Worth a watch. I, I watched it. That. I watched it at like midnight. So it was it was it was a lot of fun. I picked up the uh the Blu-ray from Warner Archive. Um it's no real special features or anything on it, but it's still worth it. Something something I definitely wanted to see. So I was super happy to finally get to check it out. Yeah. Uh and I guess I don't know, the other thing I Right before we started recording, uh, the new season of What We Do in the Shadows started yesterday. So I was watching the first. They put two two episodes out yesterday. So I watched the first two episodes. And, uh, oh, my God, I'm so happy that show's back. I was just laughing like crazy. So uh, it's so good. Haley Joel Osment's in the first episode playing another. He's playing the, the vampire couple. He's playing their new familiar. And he's just a complete dick the entire time. It's so funny. Uh, have you ever have you watched it yet, Ben? What are we doing in the shadows? I've seen the movie, but not any of the TV show. Uh, you need to watch the TV show. Yeah, I probably should. But yeah, it's I think it's worth it just to see the Council of Vampires episode. Yeah, yeah. I keep being told that, and I probably enjoy it. It's just something I haven't gotten around to yet. Yeah, it hasn't popped up in like one of the streaming services blinking it in my face saying, watch this now, watch this now. Yeah. I'll watch this now. So. Yeah. I think it was last year we were talking about it and how we're like, well, that's kind of dumb. There's no way it's going to be as good as the movie. And then I watched the first like couple episodes and I'm like, Oh my God, it's so fucking funny. <laughs> so I'm just happy. It's back. Me. Like I was, I enjoyed the first two episodes. Yeah. The energy vampire was, <laughs> had some good, good one liners. These two episodes, so. I'm totally feeding on you guys right now. <laughs> uh, it's just so funny. They're, like, going somewhere to, like, meet a necromancer for some reason. And they come out, and they're like, well, the necromancer must live there. Look at all these pale people walking towards that building. And someone's like, oh, no, no, that's just a uh, community theater building. And he's like, oh, community theater version of of our town with a Q&A afterwards. He's like, uh, well, yes, I will. And he starts walking off. Like he's going to go sit and watch this play and watch everybody just feed off everybody the entire time. Uh, it's so good. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Doug, have you, uh, have you decided what we're doing next week? I have. Um... And you forgot. But what did I decide? That's the question, right? <laughs> uh, oh, right. I got – because I remember – I don't know if you guys noticed I was complaining that neither of the movies um, this week were sequels. Mm-hmm. So I said next week it's got to be all sequels. Okay. So I noticed that uh, we've teamed up uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and Chud 2 for a show. So let's do that oh, one Lord. next week. Sweet. <laughs> One of those movies is really good. I don't believe I've ever actually seen either one. I may have seen Judd 2 a long time ago. I've never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, except for maybe the first, like, 15 minutes of it I saw one time. Oh, man. So. Um, Can't believe you've never seen it yeah, before. So, yeah, so TCM 2 and uh, Bud the Judd next week. I don't even know how that got on our list, but... It's there now, so we're doing it. 
Were we teaming up also Noah had for some suggested. reason? Like, yeah. I think we got like Because we on the list is also like, yeah, Rec 2 and Demons 2 is also yeah. on the list. And that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but whatever. Yeah, they're both in apartment buildings. That's why we did it. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah, I also, Noah had wanted to do some movies that met the standard of being in the Criterion Collection. And mm-hmm. so I'm obligated to go the other way with it. I didn't say movies that met the standard of being in the Criterion Collection. I just said I have a 14-day free trial of Criterion, and we shouldn't let it go to waste. I also do, but I mostly what happened is my kid slept. My kid didn't go to sleep until 10 minutes before we started recording, so I did not have time to go through the Criterion app and pick the but uh, maybe next next week somebody can have some picked for us to watch. Mm-hmm. Kind of excited that you're going to see Texas Chainsaw 2 with fresh eyes. Yeah, because I, I think I've tried to watch it a couple times in the past. I've never made it past the first few minutes, but that's only because I've always watched it right after watching the original. And there's so, such different movies in tone that I think I just never got into it. And so that's why I've always wanted to kind of sit and watch it on its own yeah yeah i'd almost i'd almost say out of all of the uh the og texas chancel massacre movies they're all not the same <laughs> like no i agree mm. it's not really it doesn't even really from what i can tell again having not seen this one and having not seen parts three and four in quite some time <laughs> um it, it, they don't even feel like a series of films. They feel like just a series of standalone movies. But From what I remember, I think I heard Toby Hooper once comment that he thought it was weird that people were surprised that Texas Chainsaw 2 uh, was like uh, more of a comedy because he said he felt like the original was hilarious. And nobody else seemed to. I've heard that comment but i've never quite understood whether he was joking or not because he was a weird like when you see him in interviews he's like really kind of monotone and stuff Mm -hmm. and i always wonder if he was just saying that to be a dick but (laughs) i don't know he's a weird one i I went to see him speak live once and i actually ended up leaving because it was like he just kind of like answered questions in such a boring manner that it was kind of i just read all the Later, it'd be more interesting to read this than it is to listen to him talk. <laughs> Poor Toby Hooper. That's why he died. He died of a broken heart because of that, Doug. That's what happened. I'd already paid yeah. my admission. He got what he needed from me. <laughs> so. I said it was a broken heart, not a broken wallet. Well, yeah, because I'm sure he went to Q and A's with fucking. <laughs> After screenings of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the 2000s, I'm sure he was going to those strictly out of uh, love for the fans of the movie and not just because somebody was paying him to be there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what random stuff we should yeah. say to close out this episode. <laughs> we didn't do our, we you did it, my goddamn uh, skull plate! <laughs> <laughs> save it for next week please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater
And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.